Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Best four game stretch in the playoffs ever. Both teams have to have an opportunity to have the football. I am from Houston, Texas, and I could give a damn what the Buffalo Bills fans are going through. Sympathy from me, you do not get. Looks like somebody needed a booster shot. You get hit in the mouth a couple times, you start to contemplate your future. You start to want to... Go fishing and spend time with your kids. I've been watching football for over 40 years, man. And this weekend, in my mind, was one of the greatest weekends of football I've ever seen. His Achilles heel is social media. Weren't you eliminated a few weeks ago? And I mean, not just from the team, but from the NFL. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Ladies and gentlemen, start of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are here again. And if this is your first time, welcome aboard. And we encourage you to make us a part of your podcast menu. So if we want to be in the repertoire, whatever that is, how many of the podcasts you listen to, please work us in. We certainly appreciate that. And when you do, please comment, like, make uh, recommendations, thumbs up, whatever it is. Please just uh, send out the good word on this podcast. Well, this time out, we have another wonderful show coming up for you. And I'll tell you just what we have coming up in just a second. But first, I want to remind you of a couple of ways that you can be interactive and you can get involved in the conversations that we have each and every episode. First and foremost, you can call us on the sports line, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. You can leave a message 24 hours a day, and we will attempt to make it a part of the very next podcast. Now, again, if it's a question, it's feedback, if there's a, a request, hit us up. And leave a message, and we will try to work you in, and we certainly appreciate that. In addition, on social media, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group, you can join the group. They're post every single day. They're questions frequently. There are a lot of ways to be interactive on that page. If you have a favorite team or some information or questions or polls you want to put out there, go ahead and put them on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. And, of course, the fan page. You can like that as well. So those are ways you can be interactive. The website is down, but it'll be back up soon enough. And when uh, it is, be sure to go and check out all the information on that website. So if you've listened to the past couple of episodes, you know we've been going through it with the website, but we'll get it fixed. So this time out, we have a conversation with our guy from the Defending Network, our guy King T. Terrence Harris. We'll talk about some NFL stuff and Super Bowl and all that good stuff. In addition to that, I hear from you guys in the we the people segment that's where i listen to your phone calls and respond to those so we certainly uh, encourage you to do that as well as enjoy this uh, episode in addition to that we have a lamont award for the big dummy of the episode and we're here from our resident dj dj anarchy and a whole lot more so let's get started with some headlines in headlines, we thought that there would be a number of things that we could start with leading the way, including the Tom Brady retirement, the AFC Championship game, the NFC Championship game. But, of course, the biggest story in all the sports is Brian Flores suing the NFL and naming several teams and making a lot of allegations. And I want to get to that because I want to spend a little bit more time on that. But let's start with the story of Tom Brady retiring. Now, his greatness is undeniable and uh, mission accomplished being the greatest ever. But, you know, like I said, I think the thing that strikes me is that there's not a lot of sentimental attachment to him. Now, although I heard that he you hear that he was a great teammate, that no former teammate has anything but great things to say about him. And they really love the guy. And it seems to be reciprocated. But as far as the fans outside of New England, 
you know, a lot of fans don't even remember football before him. But outside of New England and Tampa, I don't know that there's a lot of emotional attachment to saying goodbye to him. Obviously, it means the end of an era. Uh, but for the general public, I don't see the sort of attachment. And maybe it's because he plays so long that it's okay. You know, hey, you can hang him up. But you compare that to a guy like Barry Sanders or even like uh, Drew Brees or go back a little ways. Uh, some of the guys, when they hung him up, it was an emotional sort of thing. Uh, and not just for the player themselves, but for the fans. Uh, and I think because he's so robotic and regimented in what he does, I think that, you know, he accomplishes his goals, but not a lot of sentimentality from the folks. I mean, it's the same thing with Bill Belichick. Do you have a sentimental attachment to him? Whereas in Houston, you got Bum Phillips, and you just love the guy, or Mike Ditka in Chicago, where the fan base just loves, loves, loves the coach. I mean, again, you can't deny their greatness, both Belichick and Brady, but no sentimental attachment. Here's the question I have for you guys, and you can give me a call on this and leave a message. This is what I think about Tom Brady. I think that he may be the toughest competitor of all times in any major sports in America. Now, think about that. The other guy I would put in that category would be Michael Jordan. But I think Brady... Is the most competitive athlete that we've seen in a non-combat sport. Because, again, you, combat sports are different. If you're boxing and, you know, you've got to have that determination, that's a different discussion. But of the four major sports in North America, basketball, football, baseball, and hockey, if you want to throw hockey in there, there's no better competitor ever. And I mean this. You never thought, I mean, you could put Kobe in that mix. Guys that you know are just so determined to be successful. The reason why I would give Brady the edge over Jordan is because of the longevity. He committed his entire life for 22 years to being the best football player he could be. Is he the most talented? No, not even close. He's not even the most talented quarterback of his era. Was he always the MVP each season or even each Super Bowl season? No, he wasn't. I mean, that first Super Bowl, he was, you know, an afterthought. Uh, I mean, it was really a lot about Bill Belichick and what they were able to do. But the thing about it is he was determined to keep getting better for years and years and years. We saw Jordan, and maybe part of that is because Brady never went on a stretch where he won three straight. We saw Jordan win three straight. He was on top of the world. The pressure was so much on him. He stepped away, came back, and did it again, and then stepped away and came back and wasn't the same guy. And now it's hard to be the same guy. But the level of dedication Brady has shown is undeniable and unbelievable. So kudos to him for that. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to see the fallout and what that will mean, how the dominoes will fall at the quarterback position because he is gone now. We thought he might, but he has officially done it. So let's talk about the AFC Championship game. You talk about a guy that's the potential GOAT in Pat Mahomes having an absolute horrible second half. Just unbelievable how bad he was. And he was so bad that people were like, well, did he get hit in the head? Was there something we don't know? Was he injured? How could he be so great and then so bad in the second half? So I think while Joe Burrow did his thing, getting out of the pocket, extending some plays down the stretch, I don't think that he was exceptional that day. I don't think it was Burrow beating Pat Mahomes like it would have been Josh Allen beating Pat Mahomes. I think this is more about... Pat Mahomes being awful. And I am shocked by that. And if you don't watch it with that team, and one of the things that I've noticed about Kansas City, maybe Andy Reid teams, period, they seem to be the golden state of the NFL where they can kind of turn it on and do just about what they want to do offensively. Defensively is a little bit different. But as long as the offensive line is healthy, they have so many weapons that you think, okay, anytime they want to turn it on, they can. And they don't always want to. That intensity isn't all, that desperation to win isn't always there. And now you look up, and yeah, you've been to four straight AFC championship games. You lost the Super Bowl. In addition to that, you have lost now in the AFC championship game twice. So only one championship to show for the greatness. And if history goes down without them winning another Super Bowl, it will be forgotten what a dominant offensive team this has been during this, this four-year stretch. 
So I don't know what they'll have to do to figure that out. It's just him. He was just really bad. They chose not to run the football. You had the bumbling set of uh, plays at the end of the first half that resulted in them not scoring to extend that lead. You just felt like they could do whatever they wanted to do. And, of course, we can relate to that a little bit in Houston with the Oilers and the Buffalo Bills when the first half you could do no wrong and you get up to a 35-3 lead. This wasn't quite that, but it was close. And they could have really put that game away had they added more points at the end of the first half. They let them hang around. The momentum shifted. And Kansas City just looked awful. I don't know why they didn't run the football. If you're going to drop eight and you're only rushing three, then you run the football. For the game, they averaged 6.1 yards per carry. So if they would have kept just pounding the ball, then everybody would have had to roll. Those safeties and those linebackers would have had to, to roll up, and then that would have created some seams on the back end. But I, as it stands, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. And we are going to do a Super Bowl edition, and I will get picks and predictions from a number of folks, former NFL guys, media guys. And so look for that one early next week. So that, that should be on the way. In the NFC, Seemed like both those teams wanted to give that game away. Ultimately, the Rams got it done. They'll play in their home stadium. That should be a whole lot of fun for them. And Matt Stafford gets to redeem himself a little bit. Odell Beckham Jr. gets to redeem himself a little bit. And I will tell you this. While people don't want to give Odell a lot of credit, I think for what he's come in and done in light of the Robert Woods injury, that has been the difference for them going to the Super Bowl. I don't think Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup alone could have gotten it done at the receiving position uh, without an Odell Beckham. Odell has, has really given him a spark in the postseason. And even though his numbers are not massive, he takes a lot of pressure off of Cooper Cup so he can do what he does. And then, of course, Odell's doing what he does. So while I don't know what happened in Cleveland – He's looking good now, and in that Super Bowl edition, I'll give you my thoughts on that. So with that, let's talk about Brian Flores. So Brian Flores sues the NFL. Here's my initial thought. My initial thought was, wow, this guy just threw away his entire NFL career. He's done. He will never coach again in the NFL. And for a guy that's like 40 years old, coming off of two winning seasons for a floundering franchise in the Miami Dolphins, you got to say, wow, man, why would you do that? And two, there were two reasons why you can do it. You do it because you know you have a case or you know that this will make it better for someone else. Now, I'm not sure that either one of those tasks will be accomplished with that. But let me say this. I think we have to acknowledge that he is a, he's a hero in making this type of sacrifice because this is a bigger sacrifice than even Colin Kaepernick made. Because Brian Flores is still at the beginning of what could have been a really long NFL career. Now, I tend to believe that he would have gotten another job. Maybe he didn't feel like he would have in this hiring cycle. Or he wouldn't have he would have had to wait too long to get a second chance, which a lot of African American coaches do. So I'm shocked that a guy with so much ahead of him is making such a sacrifice. And I think it needs to be acknowledged as heroic, even more so than Colin Kaepernick. Because Colin Kaepernick had played a number of years. He'd gone to the Super Bowl. He had more years left on his career. But if he was still in the prime of his career, he was in the late prime of his career. I don't think that he would have had another Super Bowl run in him. That's just my take on that. So he had accomplished a lot of things in the game. Brian Flores. 40 years old, he has the next 15 or uh, 20, 25 years to be a, a or more to be a successful coach in this league. He says he's doing it because he wants to expose them. And I think that something had to be done because you've heard on past episodes us talk about, hey, why are these coaches not being hired? Eric B. Enemy, why is this guy not a head coach? Look at what he has done. The offensive coordinator, four consecutive. AFC Championship games. He's a Super Bowl winning coordinator, and he can't get a, a job. He can't get a gig. You know, Jim Caldwell took a horrible franchise. You take a look at some of these guys, and you say, what did the guys after them do? What did they accomplish at those organizations? If they were so bad, what happened afterwards? You look at Jim Caldwell in Detroit. Since he left, Detroit has just 
falling all the way off the map again. You look at a guy like Marv Lewis. Well, okay, now Zach Taylor goes to the Super Bowl this year with Joe Burrow, but that's the operative word, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. For many of those years, Marv Lewis was dealing with a franchise that had Andy Dalton leading the way and an, an injured Carson Palmer. Remember when they were getting ready to make their run, when Carson Palmer blew that knee against Pittsburgh, he was never the same in Cincinnati, and that franchise was never the same. So he was winning with, I would say, lesser guys at the quarterback position than Joe Burrow and, of course, Jamar Chase. Now, again, some other things have to fall into place, and there were some games that a lot of people think Cincinnati should have won. But nonetheless, this guy was an established winner for a horrible franchise. So you wonder why those guys don't get second opportunities. And so when you see a guy like Brian Flores take this step, then you say, man, you can do nothing but applaud him. Just an amazing sacrifice. Now, ultimately, does he have a case? See, now I saw some problems with some of the things that he did. So it started because he got a text from Bill Belichick, who was really trying to text Brian Dayball, who got the New York Giants job. And he con- he was congratulating Dayball on getting the job. And, of course, Flores was like, well, I interview in three days. Thanks a lot. He said, well, are you sure that you- this is Brian Flores? And, of course, Belichick came back and said, hey, man, I'm sorry. I really screwed this up. It was for Brian Dayball. And so three days later... Flores goes ahead and interviews for the Giants job that he knew was already given to Brian Dayball. Now the Giants have since denied and said, Oh, well, look, we didn't make a decision until, you know, after we interviewed him and Bill Belichick does not speak for the New York Giants. Well, he got it from somewhere and he's not going to go and congratulate a guy. If he didn't think the guy had the job. So he got it from some high place source. Somebody just, it was, he wasn't guessing. He wasn't speaking it into existence. He knew from somewhere, the day ball was the guy, and he ended up being the guy. So from that standpoint, of course, it looks horrible for the New York Giants. Can you prove systemic racism? And I think that's a tough, tough thing to prove in this situation because you can look at every situation differently. Now, the other big thing is he says that the Miami Dolphins owner offered to compensate him to throw games. If that is true, I think, that there needs to be a change in leadership in Miami. I think the owner needs to be booted out. I think Ross needs to go. Because if you – look, we as fans always say, hey, man, why are we winning games? I remember, you know, there was a whole debate about San Francisco and the Texans were playing the last game of the year. Houston won the game, and I think, you know, everybody was upset. Like, why are we winning a game that means nothing? I mean, and that's cool for the fans to say. And that's cool for the owners to want those things so they can get the high draft pick. But you can't offer the coach an incentive to lose games. It's just the worst thing that you can do. And, again, we talked about the integrity of the game. When I talk about Pete Rose, when I talk about wanting to ban him from baseball forever because he he messed with the integrity of the game. This messes with the integrity of the game. And, of course, now Hugh Jackson has come out and said that he was incentivized for things that had nothing to do with winning. So he's siding with Flores. You hear some players coming out saying some some positive things. But how do you how do you prove that? How do you prove that for a guy who's who's gotten employed? So that's going to be tough in court. But the bigger issue is with over the seventy percent of the workforce in football being African American. You only have three percent as head coach in the NFL currently, and that's one. That's one of thirty two. And that's just unacceptable. And it just doesn't make sense. And this is not about just straight affirmative action, although it is to some extent, but it's really not. Because, again, what it's really about is the fact that you have guys that have worked their whole life in this game. They've worked their way up in this game, both as players and sometimes just as coaches, but sometimes players and coaches. And you work and do all the things, you check all the boxes you need to check off, and you still get passed over for jobs by folks that are lesser qualified. The NFL has to do something, and if this ultimately results in more African-American coaches getting jobs, I think this is a win for Brian Flores. If this is about him getting money 
and settling with the NFL because I know the NFL is going to want to settle. Because discovery, is there's no telling what the legal team will ask for. And the NFL is not trying to give us a peek behind the curtain for any reason. Look at what they did with Colin Kaepernick. Now, the thing is, okay, is Flores about it and will reject any kind of settlement? Will he try to make this thing go all the way through? We'll see. Right now, today, he's a true hero because he sacrificed himself and his career for others. So let's see how that plans out. I think the other thing that gets him in a little bit of gives him some credibility issues when he says he met with Denver and they looked like they had been out the night before. That's not even anything you can go to court and speculate about. Like like how do you I mean how do you surmise that? Did they say that? Did you see them out? Did someone tell you they were out? Is there a way you can verify that or are you just going by the fact that maybe they're disheveled? Now, since the Denver Broncos come out and say, no, we will, we flew overnight. We, you know, we flew all night to get there, whatever, whatever, to meet with this window that he had available. And so everybody's on the defensive in the NFL, and really they're being offensive about defending themselves, if that makes sense. They don't want these headlines to bleed over into next week. Next week is Super Bowl week. And they want to try to deal with as much of this as they can this week. That's why I think the NFL responded so quickly. They wanted to get into this quickly. Let's move on to the next thing. And the next thing for them is the most lucrative event in all of American sports, and that is the Super Bowl next week. They don't want to be talking about this next week, although it will be undeniable. But something has to happen, and unless the players step up, I think, or maybe enough of the owners say, look, well, maybe we need to come up with a committee to have some sort of sort of certification for potential head coaches. Because now you have guys like a one-year defensive coordinator getting a look at the Texans' job, and then you have a coach that is a, a, a offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, went to four straight AFC championship games, can't get a look, a successful coach. A, a, a playoff, uh, a team, he took his team to the playoffs and Jim Caldwell, he can't get another sniff. There are other guys. Brian Lethwich, he's not getting the Jacksonville job. So something has happened. want to get your take on that. 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. When we come back, we will hear from you guys in a We the People segment. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, we hear from you guys, those of you who have called the sports line at 832-941-6614. Here is the first comment. Hey, Gavin, it's Melissa. Um, you wanted people to call in about the Brian Flores situation that he's doing in the NFL. I hate that it had to come to this, but I am glad that he decided to push forward with it, and hopefully he will prevail in the end. Unfortunately, it's a situation that is not only as he's describing it prevalent in the NFL, but it's prevalent in a lot of industry work industries or any industry for that matter, where certain people have they already have a candidate in mind, but they're fulfilling whatever is legally, quote unquote, required of them to show they did their due diligence, but they pick their candidate ahead of time. It's just unfortunately <laughs> it's unfortunate that this it came to this and this is the case. And maybe it's fortunate that Bill Belichick, I think it was, who texted him incorrectly and it put a shining light on what was actually happening. So I just hope that it pushes forward and there's actually a real change made as a result of what he's doing. 
Have a great day. Thanks, Melissa, for checking in. And she brings up a really important point that these things don't just happen in football. They are illuminated because football is the most popular sport in the United States of America. There are a lot of things happening on your job, behind the scenes, that make you know and understand that the same things are happening in your place of work. And that's one of the things I've always said about defending the NFL against, like, boycotters. Now, I'm not defending the NFL, but what I was saying is don't get disproportionate proportionally upset with the NFL when there are other major institutions much more important to our lives that are doing the same things and worse to African-American people and minorities of all colors. Uh, That is something that I'm glad that she pointed out. But in addition to that, another thing that's going to cost, I think, Brian Flores, you don't reveal private text messages, even if it was a mistake. And I think that that will really change his relationship with a lot of people who were former friends of his, maybe former friends of his, and how they communicate with him. And we got a chance to see behind the scenes, and nobody likes to be exposed, even if it was just a simple mistake. Let's see who's next. This is my view on the Brian Flores suing the NFL and all of the uh, Miami Dolphins. I mean, I get what he's, you know, his, his statement for black people as a whole. And, just the whole Rooney rule and, and, you know, being interviewed just because he's black with no anticipation of getting a job. But I just think that with all the openings they have in the NFL right now, the timing of him coming out with this, uh, you know, with this lawsuit is kind of strange. But, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, you know, you just wonder if the people behind him that, you know, may be pushing the agenda, you know, for their own gain. So hopefully it's uh, sincere folks in this, this, this campaign are with him to, you know, do what's right against the NFL and against the Dolphins. But at the same time, you know, he may never coach in the NFL or college, you know, anywhere, period. You know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you're lucky in a local high school or something. But as far as any professional positions, man, they probably going to look the other way when it comes to him because, you know, they feel like he's a stool pigeon or something. But that's my comment. It's Scott McPherson. Thanks, Scott. I'm glad you checked in. Check in again anytime, and you all can do the same as well. You know, I hope that Brian Flores, I hope against hope that Brian Flores would get another opportunity to coach. But it, uh, say they hire him now. So if they hire him in New Orleans or in Houston, the suit doesn't go away. So how does that distract from his job? And how does that work with you, with you suing the league in which you are employed, uh, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough for him. Uh, and the timing is interesting because, again, he still had an opportunity to get a couple of jobs, and maybe he would have gotten one. We'll never know now. Uh, but the other thing is it does feel like, and I've heard things that, you know, this law firm or folks have been planning stuff like this, and they just needed the right coach and the right opportunity to seize upon, and they have. Hopefully, Brian Flores is 100% behind this and has no regrets because what he's done is irreversible for the good or bad. And hopefully it's for the good. Hopefully more African-American coaches will get an opportunity to get jobs. And if they fail, fire them. But give them the shot. If they're good, cool. If they're not, fire them. No one wants special treatment. You just want fair treatment. And so that's where we are with that. With that, going to take a time out. Still have a conversation coming up with King T, Terrence Harris from the Defender Network. And, of course, we have Lamont Award. But first, a word from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway. You get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance. And finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. I'm a bitch, 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 I'm a
Check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram, DJ Anarchy, in and around the Houston area. He's doing his thing, so we definitely want to support him. With that, I want to remind you guys, if you have music you want played on the podcast, if you're a DJ, if you are a fledgling artist, if you know someone and you want their music played on the podcast, just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point in the entire track and extended portion of a mix at the end of the program in just a second we're going to hear from king t but i want to say i send shouts out to the tsu faithful and all the folks at uh, ktsu because i'm doing basketball i've been doing basketball home games for basketball and we had an opportunity to go to per review to play the panthers and i did the women's game and the men's game for ktsu 90.9 alongside larry the chatterbox hill the voice of the tigers and robert hatter who was new to the team and I have to tell you, man, my first time doing a basketball game at Prairie View and being in the Baby Dome, they had it going on. The fan base was, they were on point. They were really exciting. They were really excited. It was loud in there. It was a great atmosphere, great games, both of them. The Texas Southern Tigers won both of those. But I will be doing more of those home games. And by the way, the next two weekends, the SWAC will be on NBA TV, including Saturday versus FAMU, Texas Southern versus FAMU. And uh, we have to support those things when they have those opportunities to be on those networks to to tune in, support them, watch them, give them a great rating and talk about them on social media. So the NBA TVs of the world and the NBCs and ESPNs continue to show love to the HBCUs around this country. So with that, let's get into our conversation with King T. King T is back again. I got defensive network King T is back aboard. Man, a lot going on in the world of football. We have a Super Bowl matchup, and we'll get to that. Uh, but of course, the biggest news is Brian Flores filing suit against the NFL for unfair hiring practices for African-American coaches, and he's made a number of huge allegations, including being paid or or offered to be paid to lose games, to tank games, and also the uh, unprofessionalism of organizations, uh, mainly the Denver Broncos, and how they came to the interview unprepared. I mean, just a number of things. What's your initial take about all of this pertaining to what Brian uh, Flores is doing? Well, you know what I'm going to say? I mean, first off, I mean, it's about time that somebody came up, came out and said, because this isn't, none of this is unique to him. This is a walk that all of these black coaches have, having, have been having to walk, going into interviews where the, the, the candidate has already been hired, basically, without, you know, but they're, they're there to satisfy that Rooney rule and no other reason. And they know it. Everybody in the room knows it. I mean, but you got to come in, put on a happy face and pretend like you're really going after this job that you know is not even available to you anymore. And I mean, how many times has, has this happened to coaches, black coaches? I mean, we can look at the numbers and, and we can see that you tell you, you you must be telling me that a whole lot of black coaches interview poorly. You know, when you look at the numbers in the NFL and right now, they only have one African-American coach still standing. And that's Mike Tomlin, who's been in Pittsburgh forever now. I mean, so he's been through how many different waves? I mean, he's been the only mainstay. So it's about time that somebody spoke up. Now what's going to be telling my man is who's going to get behind him. Who's going to speak up? To, I mean, because he, he is strength in numbers. And so now you want to see, I mean, are any of these guys going to be brave enough to, to get behind them? Well, we've seen Hugh Jackson come out. Of course, he's the Grambling State coach now, so he has a college coaching job. But he talked about his experiences uh, with the Cleveland Browns, and I'm sure that was interesting to you being uh, that's your hometown team. Uh, what are your thoughts on what Hugh Jackson has said and the claims that he's made? And, and essentially uh, what he initially said was he was paid to tank. He sort of revised that a little bit to say he was incentivized for things that have nothing to do with winning. But again, it really put him behind the eight ball. He ended up getting fired and never really enjoying the fruits of a team that was really trying to win. What are your thoughts as a Clevelander? Well, I mean, my thoughts are, I mean, yeah, we knew that. I mean, we saw what they were doing with Sashi Brown and they, 
you know, they were they were trying to stack draft picks. They were giving away talent left and right. And, you know, you could tell that they were building and preparing for the future. I think Hugh's situation, while still jacked up, is not quite what uh, Flores is dealing with. I mean, Flores is basically told, hey, for every loss you take, we're going to give you $100,000. I think, you know, in, in the case of the Browns and, and Hugh, I think what they said is we know we're messing this guy over. So we're still going to, you know, pay him incentives. We, we, we're still going to offer him, a, a, you know, a, I mean, a, believe it or not, at some point they offer due to contract extension. And Lord knows, you know, he hadn't done anything on the football field to warrant that. But, I mean, he didn't have the talent either. I mean, they gave him just B-league type talent. And, and he knew he could, you know, the, the deck was stacked against him. But I think they knew what they were doing in the NFL. So I don't know that they necessarily were trying to throw games. They just were trying to, you know, shed salary to to get ready for, you know, what they were trying to do ultimately. Now, does that make it right? I mean, did you should you have given this man an opportunity once you got the quarterback in and started getting players in to now be able to coach this team? Yeah, that's what should have happened. I mean, Hugh, he he took all of those hits for you. You know, his reputation got tarnished. And so he should have been given an opportunity to win once you got that team together. But this happens so many times to black coaches. I mean, it has to just, you know, be, you know, it's sickening. I mean, just think about right here in Houston, we kind of saw something along those lines this year. Exactly those Cully. things. I mean, yeah. David Cully didn't deserve He didn't do anything to deserve to be fired. He took over a team that was horrific, and he finished with the same number of wins this year that they do it with two quarterbacks who are not really ready for, I mean, well, one is past his prime and the other one ain't ready for prime time yet. But yeah, he finished with the same number of wins that that the Texans did last year with their so-called franchise quarterback who they just paid a, a you know, a, they're about to pay a, a, you know, a good sum of money to. So did Kelly deserve to be fired? No, but you know, they, they feel like, I mean, Casario, I think thinks, okay, we're ready to take off. I'm ready now to put my guy in place to take us to the next level. We let David Cully cut his teeth and, 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 you know, he gave him his first head coaching job or opportunity, which really was an opportunity. And then you fire him after a season. Give me a break. And not only did they fire him, I mean, look at all the players they lost during the season with Mark Ingram. They traded away Philip Lindsay, Whitney Merciless, a bunch of guys Man, that they just yeah. had a, you know, a number of guys they got rid of during the course of this. And he, the team still played hard for him up until the very last game. I think maybe they thought, well, maybe it'll be harder for us to fire him next year if he continues to make progress with this team. And ultimately, you knew he wasn't the guy because he never should have been hired in the first place, honestly, because there were other more qualified African-American coaches that really were never seriously considered, including Eric Bieniemy. It was a, a frustrating uh, situation here. But I know we talk about this as fans. We talk about, hey, man, why are we winning? We need we need the number one pick. They don't need to, you know, you get to week 12, 13. You're like, hey, we just need to lose so we can get a high draft pick. But I don't think as an organization, you cannot operate like that as an organization. It's cool oh, for no. fans, but not for owners. Exactly. Definitely. And players. I mean, because those players are out there, they're preparing hard every week. They're trying to win. They're, I mean, I, I've never met a player that wasn't that was on the field and not trying to win. I mean, they're out there trying to win. I mean, and that's what they're there for. And they want to win as many games as they possibly can. And even if that means winning at the you know the last game of the season after going 0 16 the rest of the year, that 17 game still matters to those guys. And so if and if they win that, they feel like okay, that gives us momentum for the next year. So I mean, you know, these they're not programmed that way. But I think you know these guys, especially these shirt and tie guys who've never really played the game, never really coached the game like a Nick Casario. I mean, you know, th these are the guys that are, you know, you look at and I mean, and, and they're making these decisions based off of, you know, statistics and, and all kinds of other things that just don't make sense. Right. And and it's, it's, it's sad. I mean, but black coaches are what, what Brian Flores is going through. Black coaches have been going through for decades now, man. I mean, and it's, it's, it's sickening, but at the same time, now I will say this, you know, but then, then let's, let's talk about Brian Flores though. I mean, I'm even bothered by that guy in some ways because he's a guy that really had never, I've never heard him speak up about anything until, until this week, you know, now all of a sudden, because he's done wrong, you know, he, he's upset. But the fact of the matter is 
Brian got has two jobs that are still were still available to him. You know, I, I think that he probably would have got the Texans job if he really wanted it. When you look at the guys who he's, you know, who he's a finalist against, there's no way in the world that you you say that, you know, you can say that he's not, you know, the number one guy here. I think that there still was a legitimate case for him to get New Orleans. Well, you know, obviously, and, I don't think he's going to get either one. No, not anymore. But but the Texans are still saying. I mean, it's a and, and it's a lie. But I mean, because they have to say it. But they're still saying he's a finalist. But no, he's not. I mean, I, I'm my guess is that job is either going to go to Gannon or it's going to go to to Josh McCown, which also really really makes no sense. Yeah, you and know? so so what what can be done? I mean, we know about the Rooney Rule. What can be done? to have more African-American coaches hired. I mean, because it makes no sense. 70% of the workforce, 3% uh, African-American representation at, at the head coaching position in the NFL. Well, this is what, now, now this is what the NFL has to do. They got to put some more bite onto, you know, this whole Rooney rule, this idea of a Rooney rule. And that means that if you, if a team ever gets caught doing what the Giants get, got caught doing, they need to lose three picks, three early picks. Every time, anytime a team gets caught doing what they did, which is basically, you know, bringing a guy in only for tokenism, and you know. And let me explain it to the listeners who don't know. So, uh, what really ignited all of this was text messages that Brian Flores received from Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots head coach, who basically said, "Hey, congratulations on getting the Giants job." And he was like, "Well, yeah, I got an interview, in, you know, in three days." And he was like, "Well, I hear that you're the guy. You were also the guy somewhere else." And I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he was texting him to congratulate him on the job, then realized that he was texting the, texting the wrong Brian. He was trying to text Brian Dieball. Instead, he texted Brian Flores, and that was three days before he was even interviewed, set to be interviewed. They had already made a decision on their head coach. And, and trust me, that wasn't the first time that that happened. It happens all of the time. You know, it's this it's a dog and pony show for these black coaches. And there's just that hope that, you know, because I think very few of these teams go in not already kind of knowing who they want, whether it's the GMs or whatever. I mean, Nick Casario already know he he knows who he wants or he knows who he wanted to have. But I just think that this is a the Texans this is a bad job. There's a reason why Josh McCallum is 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 in the mix. I could see Gannon saying no to this. I mean what you know, if he can't bring his own staff in or if his general manager is going to be on the headset, you know, and you got to run plays through him before they, before you, you call him. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah, no, yeah, no, I mean, not so a lot of respect. No, no, no legit coach is going to go for that. So right. I can see Josh McCown being the guy here. And going for that. But but beyond that, okay, so now, you, I mean, and I, I really totally agree with what you said about if, if we find out that this is a sham interview and you've already predetermined who your, your hire was going to be, yeah, we're going to hit you hard. But what can be done to get these guys, uh, get more African-American guys coaches? Why is Eric Bieniemy not a head coach? Why is a guy like really Jim Caldwell? That's the guy I keep pointing to. Why is he not getting a second chance? How can we get more African-American coaches? What can be done? Well, I mean, you know, like, like I said, it's just got to be more pressure put on on the league to make these hires. I mean, and make and make this interview process genuine. I mean, and, and, and I think, you know, once that happens, we'll see, uh, you know, more African-Americans get opportunities. Uh, in the meantime, I mean, you know, like kind of what – see, how these NFL you know, teams are looking at this, and this is what their, their rationale is. Okay, I know I'm not going to really hire this guy. But if I show him in the light of being interviewed for an NFL job, it helps him get that next job or that next interview, and maybe the next one will be legit. And that's bullcrap. That's just bullcrap. I mean, and it's you know, it's it's condescending. I mean, and, and, and just you know, and, and it's insulting. So hopefully, you know, like I said, you know, the NFL has to do something. I mean, and and, and you would love to see the players be more vocal about this, uh, you know, but I'm not sure what they can do. Well, the only thing that any of them can do is band together, but it's hard enough to get them to band together for their fights in labor negotiations, let alone fighting on behalf of of coaches out there that who knows what kind of relationship they have with any one or two particular guys. I think do they how much do they really care about who their coach is 
ultimately in a lot of situations. I don't think, you know, I think the guy's dream is to make it to the NFL, not to play for this coach or that coach. That part would be hard. Do you think other coaches besides Hugh Jackson will step up behind Brian Flores? Well, I, I'm hoping so, but I, I don't I don't think so because this would mean that your career is over. Do you, you know, think yeah, yeah, that yeah. Brian Flores will ever coach in the NFL again? No, no. I, I, and I think everybody knows that. He he knows that. His deal is done. Yeah, and he's a young man, too, 40 years old. So he's not even that old. He has a long uh, career, potential career ahead of him. And yeah, it's just, I mean, is he, a, I mean, I look at him now. I don't think there's a way in court that he can win. I, I just don't. I don't know. You got, you don't have anything tangible unless they in discovery you come across emails or, or something like that. But I don't think that there's a way to prove systematically that they colluded to keep black coaches from getting a job. So from that standpoint, I don't think he can win. But what can be done as a result of this lawsuit? Well, what he's going to have is, I mean, he, he, they're going to throw a lot of money at him. That's what's going to happen, I mean, in this situation. The NFL, I mean, this will never go to court. The NFL doesn't want to go to court. Their lawyers are going to get together and they're going to recommend that they, they basically they pay him. I mean, they're going to placate him with money, kind of like they did with the, um, with, with Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and and so that's how this will, you know, this is how that would go. And then he'll go away. I mean, but they'll, they'll simply pay him. I mean, they're, they're going to pay him not to ever apply for another job ever again. And you think NFL, he'll go for that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I really do because there's no, there's no win in court for him. But see, here's the deal. Yeah, I don't think it's a win in court. But if you're saying you really are doing this for others, it's kind of hard to go back and say, yeah, well, I'm going to take this money and, and I'm going to leave it alone. I mean, I I don't I can't like he painted himself into a corner by saying because he clearly gave up his NFL career by doing this. I think you paint yourself in a corner to take a settlement. Well, but at again, the end of the day, at the end of the day, is it? Who is it more important to please? You know, the public or or, or your family and just and yourself. And and I say your family and yourself. But and what he so said, well, yeah, based on what he said, though, he said he was doing it for others because he wanted. I know, to do- I know, I know what you're saying. He said, and I, I know what he said. <laughs> but I'm just saying, he. I mean, but at the end of the day, he can contradict himself. I mean, he won't be the first one to to ever contradict himself. So he will, and he'll take the money and he'll move around. He'll move on. So ultimately, will this help other African-American coaches get jobs in the NFL? No. Not unless the NFL steps up and admits that they have a problem and then they do something tangible to fix it. Like I said, I mean, you know, make sure that, you know, these coaches are, you know, and maybe maybe now instead of saying one, let's say two. Oh, so you two yeah, of instead of, yeah, so still yeah. two of your candidates had to be, or uh, you know, and I thought about it, and, and there are a lot of different things that maybe the league could do to stimulate that hiring process, like have you know a a board of, from by hired by the league to say, hey, here are some qualified candidates. We vetted these guys for you, and, and you know to to make them final, finalists. Now I know owners do not want to hear that. NFL owners don't want to hear that, but you got to do something because this is ridiculous. Because we were talking about this a month ago, two months ago, you know, you and I on this very podcast. And, and, you know, this has been ongoing uh, for several, several years now. I mean, Eric B. Enemy not being a head coach in this league is just horrible. It's horrible that he's not a head coach in this league by now with all he's accomplished in the game of uh, football offensively. So let's shift gears here. Speaking of Eric Bieniemy, his team loses in the AFC Championship game, and you are from Ohio. It's not your team. It's the Cincinnati Bengals that are going to the Super Bowl. Let's talk a little bit about what happened in the AFC Championship game. Joe is special, and and and, and at the same time, I mean, and, and and Mahomes is special. He just didn't play his best game. I mean, and they they had some holes all year long. And I think, you know, those 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 things sort of got exploited in that game. I mean, and, and uh, you have the result that you have. I mean, but I think that, the, you know, the Chiefs are far from, you know, out of it. I mean, they, they'll retool and they'll be right back in it and back in the thick of things next season. So as a Clevelander, do you resent the fact that Cincinnati is going to their third Super Bowl and the Cleveland Browns have never been to one? I wouldn't. I wouldn't exactly use the word resent, 
But you know, but at the same time, you know, you 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 know, it just makes you just wonder, you know, okay, if they can do it, why can't us? Why can't we? I mean, and so you know, you 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 wonder about that. I mean, and especially you go how you go draft a quarterback, and in year two, you guys are in the Super Bowl with him. I think this just goes to show you that they've had smarter football people in charge. I mean, since the Cleveland Browns came back, we just have not really had smart people in charge. We haven't had good ownership since the Browns came back uh, from from those those couple years hiatus. Uh, you know, whether it be the Learners or whether it be the Haslam's. Uh, you know, it just you know, and, and it just trickled down from there. We just have not hired good people. We haven't hired good general managers. We haven't hired good good coaches, and and it's it showed. I mean, but the Bengals, they went out and hired a good coach, and then he brought in a great system, and then they went out and they drafted the right people. I mean, guess what? You go, okay, you're gonna draft this kid from from uh, from LSU. Let's look at the receiver he's used to throwing to. You know, let, let's do the things that make him comfortable. That'll make him comfortable. And the, the Browns have never done that. So, does this put yeah. more pressure on Baker Mayfield going into next year, or is this un- totally unrelated? I mean, will will I mean, Cleveland it's, it's fans? Totally, it's, yeah, it's listen. totally unrelated. But at the same time, what Baker will tell you is, look here, I'm undefeated against this dude. Or I'm, well, I think he's three and one. I should say. You know, no, he's not because he didn't play in that second game. Uh, this season, but um, you know the, the Browns and the, you know since in the last two years, I believe they're three and one against the against the Bengals. Swept them this past season. So let's move forward to the Super Bowl. Cincinnati Bengals make it to the Super Bowl against the Los Angeles Rams. It's going to be in L.A. SoFi Stadium. It's going to be a home game for them. Although you know L.A. is not like the black hole nah. in Oakland or whatever. And it, it will be a Super Bowl crowd and not a home Rams crowd. But still, you know, uh, how do you see the Super Bowl playing out? I'm sticking with the Bengals. I'm sticking with Burrow because I like I like the kid. Uh, he's from uh, down in Athens, Ohio, uh, which is where I went to college. Uh, and his dad was, was an assistant coach on Ohio, Ohio University staff. And so, you know, I, I got that connection with him. So I, you know, I, I like him and I want to see him do well. So, and I think, I mean, he's been a heck of a talent. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I'll, I'll root for that guy every time he plays, except for when he plays the Cleveland Browns. So give me um, a scenario in which, you, how do you think the game will unfold as you look at this matchup, a matchup in which, uh, y'all, of course, you're picking Cincinnati. How are they going to get it done? What is the scenario? How do you picture it? Uh, through, I mean, through the way that they got it done all season long, through offense. I mean, they got they have weapons, and Burrow takes advantage of them. You know, and, 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 uh, and, I, and so I see him continuing to do that. I mean, continuing to do what he's done, you know, all season. I mean, and, and use, use his weapons. He doesn't have to do too much. I mean, just play within himself, play within the offense. And, uh, and and somebody's going to always be open. Somebody's going to always be available to him in that offense because you can't stop everybody. So give me a score. Give me – you gave me a winner. Give me a – predict the score for us. I'm going to say 34-27. So it's going to be a high-scoring affair, huh? Oh, it's going to be a definitely high-scoring affair. I mean, this is – and it could go higher than that, but I mean, but I'm gonna I'm keep it there, thirty-four to twenty-seven. So, are the folks in Ohio now here in Houston? Uh, there are a lot of there's some love for the Cowboys, but there's a lot of people that hate the Cowboys. We don't root for the Cowboys, and I'm one of them. But uh, there are a lot of people who cannot stand the Cowboys in Houston. Is Ohio like that? Is it one or the other? Is it? I mean, no, no, it's nothing like that at all. I mean. You know, our state is probably more is more divided between the Browns and, and, and the Steelers than it is, you know, the Browns and the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are a team that's an outgrowth, really, of the, of the Cleveland Browns, if you really think about it, how they started, you know, Paul Brown being, you know, upset and falling out with Art Modell and, and starting a team down in Cincinnati back in the 60s. People, have, they've always kind of looked at the, the Bengals a little bit different. I mean, they're more of a nuisance than they are a rival. <laughs> uh, you know, even though they've been, like you said, they've been to three Super Bowls now. They haven't won one. Let's let, let's get that pointed out too. But you know, they, but they've been this. This is their third. But you know, I mean, you know, we we just don't. It's, it's never been that way in Cleveland. I mean, or in Ohio, definitely from Ohio to Columbus, that's very much divided between. Of Pittsburgh and Cleveland, 
you know, you just once you get down to Cincinnati, Dayton area, those are Bengals fans. That's where you will find them at. But for the most part, the stage is really divided between the Browns and, and the Steelers. How can folks reach out to you on social media? Uh, come check me out at uh, Terrence Harris uh, on Twitter um, or, you know, go to the Defender Network and, and check us out there as well. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll be looking out for that score in the Super Bowl. All right. Sounds like a plan, bro. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Always appreciate our guy, King T. Well, with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, it is going to someone I root for. Because I always root for the United States. USA, USA. Now, I know we have our problems and we have a lot going on that is not right. But when it comes to international competition, I root for the United States. Even in the Olympics that we shouldn't be in, in China. But nonetheless, they're going on whatever, whatever. Go USA and whatever sport, curling, whatever y'all are doing over there, I'm supporting you guys. But let's talk about soccer. U.S. men's soccer. They are vying to get back to the World Cup, okay? They have a schedule of international games that they are playing to determine if they get to play in the World Cup. One of these games was the other day against Honduras. And I think we play a lot of South American and Central American teams to vie for that spot in the World Cup. So they play this game here in the United States. Give us a, a home field advantage. Good, good deal. You know, hey, love it here in the United States. But the problem is they scheduled the game for St. Paul, Minnesota. In St. Paul, Minnesota outdoors in St. Paul, Minnesota outdoors in February. So the temperature at the start of that was five degrees minus 15 degrees Celsius. So at one point in this game, they were minus 20 degrees Celsius and it felt like minus 30 degrees Celsius. Now I don't know what that is Fahrenheit, but it's close to zero or below whatever it's low It's low, low, low. And it was really, really cold. And all they could wear is shorts and leggings. And that's it. And you couldn't wear anything on your head. Two players from Honduras had to be treated for hypothermia. Now, one of the guys from from Honduras said that kicking the ball was like hitting a concrete block. (laughs) So this is what we do. Now, again, I am all for home field advantages. I am all for, hey, give them the small locker room, painted pink, whatever you got to do. But I will tell you this. When you stoop to playing, now, this is not Brazil. This is Honduras. <laughs> now, if you have to resort to playing in minus 20 degrees Celsius in outdoors in Minnesota during February, then you know what, man? We got other problems. If this is what we need to do to beat them, uh, here's what the coach had to say for the United States. He said something to the effect of when we go down to those countries, it's 90 degrees Fahrenheit. It's unbearable. Humidity and the guys are dehydrating and cramping up, getting heat exhaustion. That's the nature of our competition. Understand this. That's how they live all the time. It's always hot in those Central American and South American countries. So that's just their climate. And of course, yeah, Minnesota is our climate, but we have various climates. We can go to California. We can play indoors. We could go in, we could play it in H Town, which we frequently do play international competitions here. But to have to resort to playing in five degree weather. Fahrenheit in February in St. Paul, Minnesota, U.S. men's soccer. You guys are big dummies. You big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, maybe if this was the finals of the World Cup, then you do that. You say, okay, finals of the World Cup. Hey, if we can freeze them out, let's freeze them out and get the win. But to do that against Honduras? Honduras has lost like six or seven in a row or something like that. But you having to do this, you didn't need to do this. You should beat them anyway. And if you can't beat them and you have to resort to this, we have bigger problems (laughs) in world soccer. So with that, before I let go. Before I let go. 
Before I let go, hey, want to thank our guy, King T. Terrence Harris, DJ Anarchy, our sponsors. Want to thank you guys. Want to thank Melissa and Scott for calling in. Want to invite you guys to call anytime, 832-941-6614. And you know what? If you start calling, I have a Sports Talk with Devin Wade mug, coffee mug. I have some mugs, and I will tell you down the road how I will make those available to you to purchase to support the podcast. But until then, we may give a couple of those away. So look for those. But again, 832-941-6614, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook and on Twitter at Wade's Word. And if you can't remember any of those things, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.